you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izvinite gregi. When you're wounded and left on Afghanistan's plains, and the women come out to cut up what remains, just roll to your rifle and blow out your brains and go to your god like a soldier. The young British soldier, Rudyard Kipling. And the end of the fight is a tombstone white with the name of the late deceased. And the epitaph drear, a fool lies here who tried to hustle the East. The Nulaka, also by Rudyard Kipling. Yes, after a rather long hiatus involving traveling and whatnot, we begin this, our 120th podcast, with quotes of poems from English poet and author Rudyard Kipling, for the simple reason that they are relevant to what we want to talk about today, Afghanistan, Macedonia's role in that country, and NATO, and the future of the alliance. So we will discuss all of this and much more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Svetan Shelimanov in Skopje, Macedonia, after evacuation from Kabul. I was <laughs> able to get the, get the, one of the early flights. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't laugh. This is a, this is a real... Uh, I sound, if I laugh like that, I sound like Kamala Harris, who could become yeah. president sometime in the next six months, given the state that Joe Biden is in right now. Uh, yeah. it, is a, it is a royal mess, yeah. uh, what has happened in Afghanistan these past uh, few weeks. Svetin, as you know, I was in Macedonia um, and recently, and I, I got up, I, I took that, that 4.30 a.m. Austrian flight mm -hmm. last Sunday on the 15th. Today is uh, today's the 22nd of something. August. Yeah, 22nd of August, we're recording this. Um, but last Sunday, the 15th, took the Austrian flight. I, I think a few hours before I had checked you know, the news, because I do, because I'm a news junkie and wanted to see what was going on in Afghanistan. And uh, by the time I got to London, because I flew through mm -hmm. Heathrow, uh, Kabul had already fallen. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the, the chaos that has ensued and has ensued this week is, as, uh, you know, Americans, the American military tries to get American citizens out, as NATO allies who are there try to get their citizens out, and as well as, of course, um, uh, Afghans, uh, who worked with uh, NATO, the U.S., and other countries, including Macedonia, over the past mm -hmm. 20 years. And it's just been an incredible mess. Not the fact that we left, but how we left mm -hmm. or are leaving, I should say. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, I use those two poems from Rudyard Kipling, British author, poet, actually born in India, believe it yep. or not, not in Afghanistan, but he wrote a lot and, and about the region and whatnot. Um, of course, his famous book, The Man Who Would Be King, uh, made into a film, uh, really about Afghanistan. I, I don't think they called that Afghanistan in the film and in the book. Um, going in a, a Which touches on... Sorry? It was still Kafiristan, where they found uh, Alexander the Great's uh, That's right. uh, yes. abandoned city, uh, Iskanderun or something like that. That's right, yes. <laughs> and his descendants, and it plays on Kipling's Masonic... Uh, Masonic yeah. um, affiliation as well. So anyway, uh, Kipling knew something about the region, wrote about it. 
course, we've all heard about all of the um, the uh, the graveyard of empires, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, no question that that Americans wanted to get out of Afghanistan. Uh, the question is how. Of course, yeah. you know, we're still in Germany, Japan, Ooh. South Korea, Bond Steel in Kosovo. Much more pleasant countries than Afghanistan to be in. True, yes, yeah, yeah. The culture is a little bit uh, different. Although we did defeat both Germany and Japan soundly, and, uh, yeah. you know, but that was a long time ago. So, and, and, and going back to what I just mentioned about Kipling and India and whatnot, you know, the British were in India for 200 mm -hmm. years. 100 is the British East India Company, and then another 100 is the British Raj mm -hmm. until the independence of India in, I don't know, 1947. Bottom line being that the British were willing to stay for 200 years. Um, we weren't even willing to stay in Afghanistan for 20 years, and yeah. the Taliban have taken over. My only question is, will the Taliban run up their flag over our embassy on September 11 or before mm -hmm. September 11? Yeah. <laughs> um, but all of this, and of course, the men and women of the military, whether it's the American military or the Macedonian military or our other NATO allies, the men and women of the military are, are heroes. They are doing what they have been told to do in, in trying to help people get out of this collapsing country. Uh, they sh there's no blame for them whatsoever. Sure. But it is the civilian leadership, starting with President Joe Biden and those around him, uh, NATO leadership and others that uh, share the blame for all of this. And, of course, the Taliban. The Tal Taliban, actually, are the ones that... They get the most blame because they're a group of murderous thugs. Um, but I think, as I mentioned in the monologue, this does a great deal of damage to NATO. Mm -hmm. First of all, because it does a great deal of damage to the credibility of the United States, which is, frankly, NATO. But we've seen the headlines come out over the past week. I think the British Parliament actually condemned Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is our closest ally. Yeah, it's uh, ugly, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we've seen... They're pretty outspoken. Yeah, you know, some of the headlines, um, you know, Financial Times, NATO allies urge rethink on alliance after Biden's unilateral Afghanistan exit. That's the Financial Times. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and in that article from August 17, there's a quote, uh, it, meaning the withdrawal, it weakens NATO because the principle of in together, out together seems to have been abandoned both by Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. um, here's, here's somebody that Macedonians are quite familiar with. George Robertson, or I should say Lord George Robertson, the former NATO Secretary General during okay. the 2001 uh, conflict. He said, quote, this, meaning there was a meeting of NATO foreign ministers the other day, this will not be an easy meeting for NATO foreign ministers. The alliance has been weakened. America and the West have been weakened, and it is a shameful ending of a mission which achieves yeah. so much for the society of Afghanistan. This is the former NATO Secretary General of NATO. So... You know, but as Zoran Zaev keeps saying, to bring it back to Macedonia, Macedonia is protected by NATO. <laughs> they will not pick our phone uh, you know, in D.C. if there is some trouble in Macedonia. Like Biden didn't pick up uh, Boris Johnson's phone for what was oh, it, like a day and a half, two hours. days, something yeah. like that. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, Incredible. I, I, now... I tweeted, like, if there is some trouble in Macedonia, the U.S. will not pick up the phone unless, you know, the other option is that the U.S. will be causing the trouble in Macedonia. So <laughs> even though we are a NATO member, you know, we are obviously clear in the clear that it means very little. Uh, if this is the premier 
NATO mission, which was meant to redefine what it means to be NATO. And, uh, you know, if we if NATO is involved for two, two decades in, into building, on one hand, uh, a political system of accountable, responsible pro-Western leaders who will integrate women and uh, reform the country and, you know, provide economic development and education and infrastructure. And on the other hand, NATO is involved in building up an army to protect this political system <laughs> and it, it all collapses <laughs> in like in the time you needed to say Islamabad uh, you know it doesn't really say well about NATO and uh, this is our first military defeat as a full NATO member so we're taking it personally we, this is our first defeat in, Na- in Afghanistan because you know or originally we were the empire which <laughs> The Macedonians, which conquered Afghanistan and did not uh, lose it, was not driven out by guerrilla. Actually, you know the stories that uh, Alexander's descendants, the successors, built like a properly functional kingdom. Bactria is considered to be a, like right. a, a, a fairly okay kingdom in uh, Central Asia, like set up by Alexander, descending. Alexander, so it's, we definitely didn't leave like the, I don't know, the, the British left uh, in that famous expedition where only one, mm. one soldier survived, <laughs> yes. you know, from 15,000 people, men, women, children, soldiers. And, uh, and then we obviously didn't leave like the Americans are now, the Russians afterwards and the Americans now. So yeah, we, we, maybe we, we should have been consulted more <laughs> about the course of the mission. But yeah, it's a, it's a big, big failure. It's a big one. It, it is, it is. And so NATO allies are, are furious with the U.S. Uh, the U.S. has been caught uh, flat-footed with its pants down, whatever you want to say. Um, obviously, the most important thing right now is to get people out of Afghanistan uh, First, our citizens, and then you know, translators and others, others that have worked with uh, with uh, mm. NATO for the past twenty years. Um, there'll be plenty of time to to blame and finger point, of course, after this. Uh, and of course, the Taliban actually are, um, you know, from a from a public relations standpoint, I've been following this. It's, it's interesting. They're not. They're they're still trying to figure out what kind of a government they're going to form. Yeah. Uh, they're not they're saying careful. anything. Sorry. They're careful. They're more. Yeah. You know. They're, they're using, yeah, they're using social media. Of course, Donald Trump's off Twitter, but the Taliban is on Twitter. Yeah. Figure, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and and we'll see. I, I saw some of our listeners might remember um, Abdullah Abdullah, the man so nice they named him twice. Um, one of the leaders in Afghanistan, he who was oh, yeah. supposed to be the last president uh-huh. uh, after, uh, but Ashraf Ghani, who has fled and is in, uh, I believe, UAE. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his money and his family, uh, but Abdullah Abdullah is still there, and I started following him on Twitter because he was meeting with the Taliban, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, trying to figure out what kind of a government they're going to form. And I can't help but thinking, Svet, looking at Abdullah Abdullah tweeting out, mm-hmm. I-, I wonder if in a month he's going to be alive. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We we already know the reports of of the Taliban around Afghanistan. You know, already. Um, the, the murders, the beatings, uh, forcing women back into their homes, etc. Uh, you know, we can't go out, etc. The sex slavery that's going to come about, etc. Not to mention the drug trade, etc. Uh, but, you know, the Taliban saying that they're not going to 
have any retribution or, or go after people that worked with NATO members. I don't believe a word they say. I mean, Joe Biden the other day in, his, in his, one of his two press conferences that he's given on Afghanistan said that the – no, it was in his uh, interview with George Stephanopoulos, a former Clinton uh, official, by the way, interesting, uh, now works for ABC News. Uh, Biden said that he thought the Taliban were having an existential crisis. Uh, I, I don't think that the Taliban think they're having their own existential crisis. And then the, the chief of military, uh, the British Defense Forces, I think Nick Carter, I may be wrong on that name, okay. but he had an interview, I think, with the BBC the other day in which he said, we need to be very careful about using the word enemy when it comes to the Taliban. Uh-huh. And he says they want to be inclusive. And I'm thinking th- this is part of the reason why this is such a massive catastrophe is because the leaders of the United States – uh, in and in this case, Britain, NATO, etc., are totally. Um, they're so woke that they have no idea what's going on. I mean, mm. I'm, I'm reading a uh, NPR article here, National Public Radio, which I don't like supporting with my tax dollars. I don't think the media should be no. paid for by the U.S. taxpayers. But anyway, talking about how the Afghan army members, a lot of them couldn't read or write. And yet, USAID was there in Afghanistan teaching gender studies. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the priorities were wrong. Maybe they should have been, USAID should have been teaching men and women how to read and write instead of talking about gender studies. It's just, I think that's a large part of it. Yeah, definitely. The collapse came like, uh, what was it, a month after the gay pride uh, uh, month when oh, uh, yes. I don't think they they uh, lifted the the LGBT flag over the em- U.S. embassy in uh, Kabul, but they definitely the embassy definitely tweeted about this, and it's def- certain that you know a good portion of the diplomats and the accompanying uh, NGO uh, satellites uh, around the embassy were you know trying to uh, uh, skip a whole uh, maybe a millennia of development in Afghanistan and take them from the 7th century into some imaginary uh, 21st century which only exists in San Francisco and uh, parts of New York and nowhere else yes. and uh, uh, it, it was interesting if you listened to the uh, when Biden was speaking on the evening like when Kabul fell and they had to drag him to the White House to, to say something and he said uh, uh, one of the, he had a couple of fumbles while he was talking. Otherwise, he was yep. this very annoying uh, Biden figure, like uh, his usual style, like in your face, accusing everybody. The Afghans didn't fight well. It's not yes. my fault that we withdrew and you know demoralized them completely and left them without the air force. Yes. Uh, overnight, uh, flew out, etc. So it was very annoying. I generally and genuinely dislike this person since. I think his debate with uh, Paul Ryan in uh, 2012, and of course mm-hmm. over his involvement in Macedonia. But you know, he would say anything, he would do anything, he would. Uh, um, in our case, in Macedonia, he would say anything just you know to accomplish whatever the goal is at the moment. In the case of the debate with Ryan, he would make gestures, act like a monkey, just to you know uh, confuse. Uh, yeah just to confuse his opponent. Uh, very, very ugly person. Generally dislike him. And he had uh, uh, a fumble where he said, like, the NGOs, he said, our uh, N- uh, NGO uh, agencies, 
And then he realized that he made them sound like they're part of the U.S. government, <laughs> FBI, CIA, the other agencies. And he said, uh, sorry, our NGO organizations. Mm. And he was very correct. You know, it's clear that the far left NGOs are uh, part of the U.S. government now. USAID funds them uh, uh, as they, you know, try to um, administer it. The, the last uh, thing on, on their mind is actual development of the country. The main point is uh, identifying political allies, far leftists, advancing them into, into power, uh, dividing power with them afterwards, as we saw in Macedonia for so long. And, mm. you know, I mean, I'm very sad about the, the plight of the Afghan people. I mean, for many of them, life hasn't improved uh, a bit since the uh u.s intervention um, but on the other hand i'm honestly happy that this side uh, which we which i experienced in macedonia is a hostile actor uh, trying to bring down you know bringing down our government uh trying to re-engineer our national identity our mm. history our how we look at life uh, they're trying to advance positions which are you know even for us generally urban and uh uh, like uh, enlightened, should we say, 21st century European population are far off and very, pro you know, people have a sincere reaction when they hear the latest talking points from the US embassy, like uh, uh, you have to admit refugees, uh, a post-national country, a post-religious country, boys are girls, girls are boys, etc. Mm -hmm. I mean, even for us, it's too much. I can imagine how all these talking points sounded to an uh, Afghan villager when uh, the embassy tried to advance them. And uh, I'm not really feeling particularly sorry for the NGO activists in Afghanistan now, the uh, Radio Free Europe journalists and whatever, and uh, uh, the translators for the armies and uh, for the intelligence agencies who are now, you know, uh, using the proximity to the occupying power to leverage excellent jobs, accepting uncritical, I suppose, all their uh, talking points, even though they were in, in, inapplicable in Afghanistan, failed dismally at their job to, you know, create any sort of economic development, something that would bind the people of Afghanistan to the to the occupation to this mm -hmm. new, let's say, government, and now they collapsed. I mean, the evening of this collapse. Uh, Many on uh, Twitter and social media here were like, uh, and even I think had the comment like, okay, uh, soon in Skopje, hopefully, <laughs> when we would <laughs> see the helicopters evacuating um, the U.S. Embassy. And uh, uh, I mean, we have very little to uh, feel, uh, you know, sympathy with uh, our own types of... Uh, is it too much to say that Macedonia is under occupation of the U.S. Embassy here? Mm. <laughs> I don't think it's it's too much. They determine outcomes, policies, governments, uh, you know, uh, outcomes of referendums. Uh, uh, it's not a military occupation, but it's in every other purpose. It's uh, it's an occupation, and uh, I will not be sorry when it's gone and. Uh, I know that you know in Afghanistan the, it's, things are going to be horrible now, but 
I don't know, just emotionally, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there to lament the fall of the American uh, and NATO administration of, of Afghanistan. Yeah, good, good rant there. Let me compliment yeah. you on that. And, uh, but, but three points. Uh, first, as it relates to Joe Biden and Macedonia, I never get tired of this quote because mm. I, I, I remember it. I was in the room with Joe Biden and Boris Tchaikovsky on his trip mm -hmm. to Washington, D.C., in May of 2001, during the height of the, the uh, attempted uh, split of Macedonia by Ali Khmeti and the National Liberation Army, now Dewey, Joe Biden looked at Boris Tchaikovsky and said, quote, this is not about right or wrong, this is about what is possible, unquote. Joe Biden could care less, could have cared less at that point about who was right and who was wrong mm. in that war, and he just wanted the... He just wanted it ended, and, and his message to Boris yeah. was, do whatever it takes to make it stop. That was wrong. It, it tells me that, that Joe Biden did not have then and does not have now a moral compass, yeah. despite what Or his, he picked the Albanian side, which says, was... And all of his or he was, or yeah. he was working for the Albanian side in yeah. Macedonia. Yeah. Uh, point number one. Point number two. So Chuck Hagel, former U.S. Republican senator... Uh, Defense Secretary under Barack mm -hmm. Obama, decorated veteran of uh, Vietnam War, said uh, in a Politico article the other day, he said, we get into these situations, we're never sure why we're there. We never get to learn the country, the customs, the people. And that is the case in Afghanistan, and that is the case in Macedonia. Macedonians mm -hmm. are a conservative people, a conservative society. Uh, and we go there and we, we, we fly our freak flag, the pride flag, uh, same as in Afghanistan, you know, the Old Testament book of Proverbs, pride mm. <laughs> pride goes before a fall and haughtiness before destruction. Pride flags go before a fall and haughtiness before destruction. Yeah. But these people are there to try and force Macedonians and Afghans and other people around the world, force them into the sunny, uplit lands yeah. of wokeism, and it's wrong. Um and my third point, you know, there's a, um, in uh, Hemingway's book, The Sun, Sun Also Rises, uh, mm -hmm. there's a character, Mike Campbell, I believe is his name, and who has gone bankrupt. And the question to him is, how did you go bankrupt? And he says, two ways, gradually and then well, suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how empires end, gradually and yeah. then suddenly. And, and this is what, I, I, this is what's going on. And again, you know, NATO is severely damaged in all this. Welcome to NATO, uh, Macedonia. Oh, yeah, thank you, thank you. First, uh, right in time for the first defeat of NATO, like a formal defeat with evacuations and uh, relying on the kindness of the occupying power, or, or the, let's say, the, the rebel the power. The murderous to, Taliban, yeah. Yeah, to let you leave the country. We have a bunch of, I think we have like 100 Macedonian citizens, mainly Albanians, from uh, working through this Ecolog company, which does a lot of logistics for U.S. Mm -hmm. bases and... They were apparently all evacuated. So far, we don't have reports of anybody being killed or beaten or something. But uh, uh, yeah, it's very weird how when, how this performative degeneracy, like uh, sexual deviancy, is always a future of a collapse of a at the late stage collapse of the empire. I, I guess that you know it uh, in some small degree hastens the fall because it's it's pretty clear signal to the enemies to the 
to the fighters, uh, to the less enlightened, uh, less progressive, uh, let's say, uh, neighbors of the enlightened city of Kabul, you know, that uh, if they're already celebrating gay prides there with flags and, I mean, I, I know that the embassy was not really holding a gay pride parade in Kabul or anything like that, but still, <laughs> the, the flag itself is a signal that they're, the men are not that manly in this city and that the soldiers are not that, uh, you know, the, embassy, the, the U.S. Uh, armed forces are now all about, you know, we have the first uh, fully openly gay uh, Navy you know, crew on a small ship or a, or a helicopter crew or something like that. It's a signal that you're not really um, the most manly of... Uh, of nations and armed forces, and it's perceived as weakness, and weakness is provocative. So I can imagine that it was a good signal for the for the Taliban's to okay now they're they're pushovers. It's about time we 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 finish this. It's about time we we uh, we don't even have to wait out for this decent period until they they leave the country. Uh, and yeah, it's. Uh, it's fascinating. I mean, you could say something similar happened in Macedonia. Obviously, mm -hmm. Macedonians are somewhat or you know, noticeably more progressive or liberal, shall we say, compared to the Albanians. Mm -hmm. And we were attacked by a less uh, progressive, more traditional, more conservative, more family values, more religious nation in 2001. Our neighbors, the Albanians, and we lost uh, with a lot of involvement from the US. So, you know, you could, it's, I think it's a common feature in history that uh, once you go this way, your neighbors who, are, who have not followed as quickly along this path or at all, perceive you as a, as a, weakness, as a weakling and uh, somebody who, you know, if, if you have a valuable real estate land, uh, a developed city infrastructure, you know, it, why not Clear, clear our our neighbors out and and take it off their hands. So it happened to us. It's happening now in Afghanistan, and uh, um, I think it's a it's a future of uh, of history. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, actually, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, the Ricochet podcast, the flagship podcast of uh, mm -hmm. Ricochet dot com. Uh, with um, uh, they were interviewing uh, our friend Victor Davis Hanson. Mm -hmm. um, from the Hoover Institute, and he, he had a quote in there, and I don't know if I've got it right exactly, but he, Hansen said, was talking about, he called it the wages of affluence and decadence. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. wages of affluence and decadence are a tired, morally bankrupt people and nation. Yeah. And and that is exactly what we've got going on here in, you know, in the United States, at least with a significant number of people here I think in, the, in in many of the the NATO countries, especially the Western Europeans, uh, the wages of affluence and decadence is that mm. they're tired, they're morally bankrupt, they're spiritually bankrupt, of course, uh, and yeah. and this is what happens, you know. Uh, and and again, to your point about the weakness, it, this what is going on right now in Afghanistan, and it's going to continue. For, we don't know for how long, how long this is going to take, uh, but the the long term damage. Uh, to yeah. the United States and to NATO, by default, um, is is going to be significant. 
Yep. I mean, take um, take Taiwan, for instance. Uh, so we have a, yep. uh, a policy of strategic ambiguity with respect to Taiwan and mainland China, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Chinese communists, in that, you know, are we actually going to go to war in defense of Taiwan if if not if, but when the Chinese communists decide that it's time for the invasion, and mm. they will invade Taiwan within the next five years, in my opinion, I don't think so. We're certainly not going to do that. Uh, now, Taiwan's not a NATO member, of course, um, but what does this say to, for instance, um, you know, the, the Baltic countries, Estonia, yeah. Latvia, and Lithuania? They are just as worried. Um, let me see. There was a quote in here I had. Uh, I found. Uh, this is uh, from the Financial Times as well. Um, the Baltic states may now question how the U.S. would respond to a triggering of Article 5 in the event of a Russian attack. Article 5 is attack on one's attack on all. Of course, that's been going on for a long time. People have been wondering, you know, questioning, will, will NATO come to the defense of Estonia if the citizens of Narva, which is right on the border with yeah. Russia, uh, yeah. are somehow attacked? And I don't know if anybody knows the answer to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the maintaining of the uh, North Atlantic Empire is now uh, the, the woke white man's burden. It's no longer <laughs> our problem. It's now a problem of the wokes in, uh, in the U.S. They are now the most, uh, I would say, uh, engaged uh, uh, warmongers and liberal interventionists and uh, uh, fighting Russia. And uh, we are now control NATO and... Uh, you almost join, etc., and uh, you know, woke white man's burden, of course. To paraphrase another poem from Kipling, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's not going to end well. I mean, um, they are, uh, by the very virtue of the fact that the left is now pursuing all this, uh, uh, the U.S. empire uh, uh, narrative. The, the right is going to withdraw from it, and this means, I suppose, most of the common soldier, if not the officers and the intelligence services. We see that the intelligence services are now fully on board with the left, but, mm. you know, they would still need people to fight this fight. And uh, yeah. uh, these wars are going to become very unpopular if uh, these type of people uh, are leading them and uh, are declaring them. And uh, if the goal is, uh, you know, we're bringing... Uh, uh, critical race theory to Afghanistan. It's, <laughs> it's a complete, complete joke. And, you know, the war wasn't popular, I suppose, in the US, but then, listen, I mean, I doubt it was item in the first 20 items on the, on the list of things people care about. I mean, it was like a few thousand soldiers. I think the country would easily agree if, or wouldn't even know or care if Biden sent like 10,000 more to reinforce the uh, Afghanistan um, after his election. I mean, okay, everybody says it was unpopular. The polls said everybody wanted to get out, but would anybody act or do anything in the U.S. if, uh, if uh, Biden increased the presence? It would have been a very easy uh, electoral promise to violate. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody cares now about the COVID and the economy and stuff like that. This is probably the item number 20 on the list mm. so it would have cost him nothing to actually remain there uh, but no this is the one policy from Trump we have to see through, we have to implement and 
uh, yeah, the, the, the lesson to everybody around is that the U.S. is not serious about its obligations. Uh, we m might see a refugee flow, although uh, at this moment, I mean, if these people get to Turkey, l let's say the Taliban's, you know, do not, are unable to uh, pacify the country, there are civil wars breaking out across the place, people are trying to flee. Uh, if they get to Turkey, Turkey, you know, we saw we saw Turkey. I think it was what late last year. It tried to reignite the migrant flow toward Greece. Uh, now, now Greece is under a conservative government, so they will not let the migrants get, you know, on a dinghy to the first island of Lesbos and then catch a ferry organized by the government to Piraeus in Athens and then take a bus or the railway to. Uh, Solon on the, in the north and then cross into Macedonia. This government will not allow this to happen again. Mm -hmm. Will Turkey try to, I don't know, sail them into Bulgaria? It's possible. Uh, will it try to take them into Russia? Russia has been toying with like creating a refugee crisis through Belarus, so yes. through Norway for a while. It's possible. Maybe they will head to Egypt and Libya. This is a well-established path, although a bit more dangerous. So I don't know if we will see in Macedonia a repeat of the migrant flows. We still have a border and uh, patrols from, I don't know, uh, Slovakia, Hungary, uh, assisting our soldiers and police on the border with Greece. So we would presumably stop the refugees if they arrive in any number similar to what we had in 2015, 2016, we are, <laughs> this is the most ridiculous part, uh, I mean, it's not funny, I'm not laughing mm, at them, yeah. but it's it's ironic given how, you know, Vimera was warning that under SDSM, the refugees, the migrants will come and will be accommodated in Macedonia, among all other concessions that Macedonia will be making to the Americans uh, or to the Albanians and to the Greeks and the Bulgarians, asked for, asked, you know, uh, imposed by the Americans, all these concessions. So this is, you know, there is a famous comment by Gruevsky, he's listing, you know, federal country with the Albanians running part of the country, uh, name change with accepting all Bulgarian, uh, all Greek demands, uh, identity change, accepting Bulgarian demands, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, migrant camps in Macedonian territory. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this is now one of the last prophecies. The last one I think is, uh, full legalization of you know, uh, gay marriage, and <laughs> so we now know what's what's next. And uh, <clears throat> so Zaev, I think he was neck and neck with Albania and Kosovo in publicly declaring that we are ready to accept refugees from Afghanistan, or maybe just a few hours late from these two uh, American satrapies in the Balkans who would accept whatever the U.S. embassy tells them to do. Uh, Albania already hosts uh, uh, people from another failed American CIA experiment, the uh, Mujahideen Kalk in Iran. So Albania already houses a bunch of these people who had to be evacuated. These Shia uh, anti uh, Shia revolutionaries who are against the current regime in Iran, so they're housed in a base in Albania because they were unsafe in Iraq. Mm. Kosovo ha had uh, training camps for uh, Islamist uh, Sunni groups in Syria. Mm -hmm. 
they said they're not ISIS, but you know, <laughs> they were very ISIS-like. Mm -hmm. So now these two countries said, no, we will immediately accept uh, uh, thousands of Afghan refugees because they were uh, the peacemakers, the NGO activists, the journalists, the translators for the army, blah, 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 their wives, etc. And uh, Zaev was immediately neck and neck with Albania and Kosovo. He now says he's ready to accept 1,800. Mm. Uh, so far, he's been contacted by groups like NDI, and he said like 650 are, deter are declared for us. So I, I, I suppose some of them are already in Qatar and will be arriving soon. We'll have them in hotels, in uh, such accommodation. The government is even talking about organizing education for the children or work permits for them. So practically we're on one hand, they're saying it will be temporary until the U.S. administration processes their uh, visa applications, asylum applications. But on the other hand, we are preparing to house them for a significant period of time. And it's a huge news in Macedonia. A lot of people are like, are you crazy? What are mm. you doing? Um, Not just house them, but as you said, give them work permits. So that implies yeah. long-term jobs. Yeah, the government is building uh, an asylum center in Bardovci, which is right. funny because it's uh, like a very popular destination with the diplomats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, but this is not going to be finished in time for the Afghans. These are be, this will be sent in uh, hotels. And uh, there are protests in Bardovci. There is outrage in social media. I'm not very concerned. I mean, I'm pretty sure that, you know, of all the people who crossed through Macedonia in 2015, 2016, nobody remained. Like, a yeah. couple of people, one was electrocuted and injured, so he had to remain. One lady, a Kurd from Iraq, I think, got married to a Macedonian guy, so stayed for a while, then divorced, and mm. came back, I don't know where they stand. Mm. So, But, you know, we're talking, we individually know the stories of the people who remained out of maybe 1.5 million, 2 million people. <laughs> so nobody is going to remain. If if the US uh, government denies these people 650, 1800 Afghans, how many Zaev agrees to accept, uh, denies them asylum, we'll just tell them, listen, guys, Germany is that way. Shoo, run. <laughs> at any given moment, but Zaev is very funny. He's like, he, there's bunches of uh, statements that, no, we're not accepting refugees, never. Avomar is lying to the people, that's never going to happen. We're not going to have migrant camps. He, was, he would say this a uh, bunch of times. And now he's saying, these are the peacemakers, these are the intellectuals of Afghanistan. <laughs> we're, we're having, mm. like, the, they're all Facebook and Google engineers from Afghanistan and... And in fact, they're the same slimy sleazeballs we have in Macedonia, who like uh, uh, revolve around the U.S. Embassy, eager to get uh, crumbs from their uh, the latest NGO project fad, and they would sell their mothers down the river for just to have an extension of their projects for three months or six months. They they have you know. Uh, given up their identity, their nation, their religion, their ancestors for uh, just because they um, they anticipated sometimes they were not even asked to do this they they anticipated that the embassy will ask them to do this and I imagine that uh, the type of people that revolve are the U.S. embassy in Kabul are very similar and uh, I don't know I mean it's uh, I wish you know the least 
possible amount of uh, disturbance there and that you know whoever wants to get out gets out but i don't know it's at the moment i'm just savoring the the collapse of this uh, experiment yeah well no you're, you're you're right i do think a lot of them will will make their way up to to germany and sweden and other places um but speaking of Germany, of course, we have elections there. We have elections. They have elections. Uh, September 26th, I believe, uh, to succeed Muti Merkel, who is finally stepping mm-hmm. down after 16,000 years in office. Uh, sorry, 16 years in office. Um, yeah. And I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, no. Mm-hmm. And it, it'll be interesting to see what effect, if any, this debacle has on the German elections. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the first major European country NATO member to have elections after this the French elections are yeah the French votes too yeah. yeah they're in 2022 I think early spring so mm-hmm. um but let, let's hit a couple of other items here speaking of elections we got local elections coming up this in Macedonia was a full Afghanistan episode was that uh, this was a fully Afghanistan episode so far yeah so yeah so far so let's uh, a couple other uh uh these aren't light items as the editor's uh, podcast calls them but these are other items uh local elections october 17 in macedonia mm-hmm. um best guess i'm still not sure they'll take place we have horrible covid numbers we are almost at the level of the worst period in march april and mm-hmm. zaf would be happy to postpone them the last poll from ndi did not look good for him and it's Bad, bad, especially because India is a very friendly organization to his government, and it was like 15% Vimera, 10% Isdism. Okay, Zaev has a coalition with Dewey, so right. this kind of like makes up for the numbers, but then Vimera is now discussing a coalition with the opposition of Indian parties. Mm-hmm. Um, Vimera tried to form a coalition with Levitsa, they made, made them a public offer. Levitsa is publicly refusing, which again makes them look like they're really not that interested in bringing Zaev down, but more like sniping at Vimmer and taking chunks of their electorate mm-hmm. if they can. So we are preparing for elections. Mo- both parties declared most or or maybe like two-thirds of their candidates, but there's still a lot of infighting uh, in East DSM. They feel strong, so they have uh, resurgent groups like in their party who, de- who demand that uh, they want to challenge like the incumbent mayor of, let's say, Prilep mm-hmm. or Aerodrome, so they're infighting between themselves. Vimmer are weaker still because they hold almost no positions. So they have delayed in announcing the candidate for the capital of Skopje, also other important positions like, I don't know, like Aerodrome. Uh, so they are more, I suppose they're more careful uh, because if they announce the candidate soon, then it's pretty certain that ISDSM are going to play dirty and maybe file charges against somebody close to the candidate, try to discourage him from running. So uh, it's pretty close to the elections, and we still are lacking some of the important candidates in the race, some of the important names. Obviously, Vimrad as well, it's going to be, uh, they're going to inherit a coalition with. Uh, the Al- Al- Albanian parties, and uh, they're going to beat ISDSM in a one-on-one fight, and this is going to be a good uh, basis for uh, demanding early elections. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not getting too far ahead of myself because this is not a democracy, it's not a 
normal country, it's uh, semi-occupation, and uh, it all depends whether the U.S. Embassy is going to allow a fair race, and then if they're going to allow Zaev uh, to, um, I don't know, to slip. The, the speed with, with which Zaev agreed to accept the refugees is uh, indicative that he wants to buy some brown nose points with, sure. the, with the embassy and the, and the Biden administration. Yes. And then next door, of course, Bulgaria, which just had their second elections in mm. uh, July, inconclusive. So they're going to go to third round yeah. elections, kind of following in the Israeli mold of having four elections and then finally <laughs> taking a year to have four different elections and then finally yeah. coming up with something. But So they're going to have elections again for parliament sometime this fall. Uh, mm. And in the meantime, of course, Macedonia goes nowhere in terms of EU membership. Yeah. And Albania, of course, is tied to that, so they go nowhere in, e- in terms of EU membership. Yeah. Um, uh, although Zayev said he would be happy if Albania advances, if we are stuck. Mm. So now he is obviously the subordinate partner in the re- relationship with Edi Rama of Albania, the Prime Minister of Albania, and now he's on the record that he does not oppose Albania going ahead if Bulgaria continues to block only us. And the, all the other EU countries are okay with Albania going ahead. This would be the ultimate humiliation for Zaev until, you know, maybe Kosovo yeah. opens succession talks and we are still <laughs> blocked. Well, then, then maybe ultimately Albania becomes a member of the EU and Albanians and Macedonia flee and, and move to Albania. Inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, if they're happy... Whatever makes them. Yeah, fun. exactly. So, yeah. Oh, so we got that. Um, marijuana. So I wanted to I put this on the list. Oh, yeah. Because I don't quite understand this. So correct me if I'm wrong. The African country of Lesotho shipped a, a large shipment of 8.5 tons of marijuana to Macedonia. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yes, they and, did. and yet, yeah, we're importing good drugs from. You're, you're uh, growing Congo marijuana, Minnesota, yeah. and you're importing marijuana. I'm not. I'm not. Conf- I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, we are growing marijuana and allegedly uh, turning it in, into oil, but in reality, just fudging the numbers, declaring that we all of the marijuana grown in Macedonia was converted into oil and exported somewhere. But in reality, we are smuggling it into uh, Italy, into Austria, whatever. I don't know, the established route for marijuana smuggling right. is. And now apparently this is not enough for Zaev, who runs the marijuana business. He is now importing African marijuana, <laughs> uh, which again is allegedly liquefied here, you know, oil extracted through it. But everybody knows that it's just smuggled to the black market where it can fetch the highest price. Incredible. So yeah, I mean, obviously they're not growing enough as much as they can smuggle into... Uh, into the European countries, and we are now importing more and more. We were even joking that, you know, now when the Afghans come here, we can uh, reignite one of our oldest exports, uh, uh, a product which is still on the coat of arms of Macedonia, which is depressingly Soviet-style and (laughs) declares the most important uh, agricultural exports, so, like, it's always the wheat, Mm. and then you have, in our case, tobacco, and the third item is the poppy fields, yes. uh, poppy seeds, or the poppy tushki, we call them, the uh, pods. Mm-hmm. And we, Macedonia was a major producer of uh, uh, morphine and, <laughs> and uh, poppies. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
the early years of Yugoslavia, Yugoslavia was brazenly smuggling it uh, to the European market for, uh, you know, it's a drug, mm. it's a hard drug. And then it, uh, we stopped doing this, it's uh, er eradicated except for the one uh, pharmaceutical company in uh, Skopje for alkaloid. Mm. And now we are, you know, once the Afghans come, they can, you know, uh, show us how it's done again. We can, <laughs> the climate is perfect, the environment is perfect, the soil is perfect. All we need is to get, uh, uh, to refresh our memory on how it's, it's produced and uh, uh, the lost expertise for decades since when we were not planting it, uh, we, can, we can replenish it with the help of the Afghans and we're, we're golden. <laughs> So, so from Afghanistan's plains to Mas from Afghanistan's hills to Macedonia's plains, uh, yeah, maybe that's the title. <laughs> it's going to be perfect. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, we're running long here. Uh, yes, this has been almost exclusively on Afghanistan, and of course, what that means for the U.S. for NATO, Macedonia as a proud member of NATO. Um, uh, a couple of other items here. I'm proud. What's that? <laughs> proud? I'm proud. Proud, yeah, so it's all about pride and the flags. We right. couldn't so. be less proud. <laughs> hey, your government decided, uh, your, your government pushed and cajoled by the State Department, yeah. the European Union, and NATO uh, made that decision. So uh, you own it. We, yeah. I don't want to be a part of a club which would have me as a member, <laughs> literally, <laughs> in this case. Well, don't forget, all clubs, all human institutions have a shelf life and uh, yeah. an expira built-in expiration date of some sort. So, anyway. Yeah, inshallah. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> okay, so we've, we've been, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, we've been on a hiatus traveling and whatnot. We'll try and get back to doing these on a more regular basis. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, let's do this again uh, next week. Absolutely. Good talking to you, buddy. Take care, buddy. <laughs>